Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today for our next episode of Mixed Messages with the one and only Jeff Bogue. My name is Joe Caruso, and I'll be your host as we dig in to today's topic. From news sources to comedians, from friends to advertisements, it seems everyone has an idea of how we should live and think and make decisions. When everyone disagrees, how do we cut through that noise? And how do we cut through all of that information overload and choose what actually should govern our lives? Well, as we pray and process these things, we want to offer a resource to navigate some of the day's most pressing topics in preguntas, questions. <laughs> Jeff, how you doing, bud? Good, Joe. It's been a while. It has been a while. Yeah. You were away. I was away. You were far away. Yeah. Well, and actually at the beginning of our listeners' break, we were both kind of away because this actually started in uh, late July. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you were at conference. I was at a conference. And then, uh, yeah, elders give us a sabbatical every so many years, and I got to do that. Did you get to go do something fun? I did. amazing? It was really good. We started with a southern road trip through uh, New England, so that was a lot of fun. That's southern? Well... The southern portion of New England. Oh, okay. Yeah, so like we didn't go any farther north than Portsmouth, New Hampshire, which is the southern city on the coast, and everything else was below that. Gotcha. So we didn't do anything in Maine, the rest of New Hampshire or Vermont. Um, but it was great. Experienced a lot of really cool stuff, saw a lot of cool stuff. Beautiful area. Oh, my there. goodness. So many things. Actually, uh, Jasmine, our producer, uh, also did a New England trip over that really? month as well. Wow, so. nobody invited me. Yeah. We were up there. This is my favorite uh, story. We were up there a couple years ago. I went up to Acadia National Park and all that. So if you've ever been there, it's it's really pretty. It's really different. And so a lot of like two-lane highways kind of thing. So one of the things you'll see all over the uh, the side of the road is campfire wood. Like they're always mm. selling wood for campfires. And so we saw this one sign. It's like campfire wood. It was like five bucks a bundle. And the next one said organic campfire wood, 10 bucks a bundle. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> how is wood not organic? <laughs> so they're like totally playing into like yeah. market. I was like, that's clever. That's really Smart. good. Smart. This is an organic episode. Yeah. Yeah. Did you eat lobster? I did. I had I had a couple of uh, lobster rolls while I was there. I had to take advantage of that. Did That's... you decide that live free or die is your new life motto? It kind of already was. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, back to uh, nobody inviting you to go uh, with us. I think, you know, as I worked with Jasmine and her husband, Devin, uh, they were like, you know what our marriage needs is more vacations with our senior pastor. Yeah. I, if I would have gone with you, Joe, we could have got so much done on your sabbatical. That's so true. It we could have awesome. really gotten a lot of Just the two of us? That's, Think uh, of what we could have accomplished. I mean, honestly. But <laughs> <laughs> but rest probably would not have been one of those things. Oh, well, uh, we came back, and you know, <clears throat> excuse me, we always have a uh, kind of a queue of questions that are populating from our listeners. Came back, and there were some fresh ones, and today is another listener-submitted question. Jeff, we'll go ahead and uh, dive right into it here. Our our listener asks, what does it mean to fear God? Mm. And then kind of along with that, what would that look like in our daily lives? Yeah. Yeah, so that that term, fear God, is all through the Scripture. It's the beginning of wisdom. You know, we're, we are told to fear God. And so it's, it's a great and interesting question. So in the Bible, when the Bible talks about fearing God... Uh, it would be talking about giving reverence, having awe, being aware of his power, uh, like a, an awareness of his holiness, and an awareness of his justice, mm. 
um, all those kind of things. So I think sometimes when we talk about fear, um, you can talk about it like uh, just in a sense of awe. Like I, I have a fear of God, and it, and it would be like if I was watching the sunset over the Grand Canyon, like, mm-hmm. oh, man, that's just majestic and majest, you know, and a lot of majesty. And I would say, like, that's a part of the fear of God, but it's not, it's incomplete. Um, you could talk about it just in his holiness. Mm. So, like, uh, or you would almost think of it as, like, a reverence. So mm-hmm. some of us uh, were raised in religious traditions where the church was, like, quiet and it's beautiful, and it's a cathedral, and it's the fear of God or the holiness of God. And again, I would say that that can be good, but it's very, very incomplete. Um, And then just the idea of his power. Mm. Uh, So when you uh, uh, watch, I don't know, uh, uh, Avalanche, or you think about the power of water, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, man, I... I think about just like jumping in my pool, but then I get in the ocean. And I'm like, oh, you know, That's it's a, a whole different thing. So again, it's it's correct, but I would say incomplete. So when I think about the fear of God, um, I think about something that I would be awestruck by. I would have a reverence for. I would be captivated by its power, but then I would also all of those things. Um, in in God's justice, all those things would bring me to a posture of worship. Hmm. So it's it's not just like a recognition. It 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 winds up being a um, a position of the heart and almost a position of my mind. Hmm. So the fear of God is the awe of the respect of the reverence of the power, the wonder, the justice of God that causes me to live in a, like a state or a place of worship with mm. him. Um, and it's an important thing in our, in our walk with God because if you remove the fear of God and just have a knowledge of God or even an affection for God, um, there's parts of God, if that's the construct of God that you develop, there's parts of God that will be incongruent with that. So... God is a God of love, and he loves me no matter what. Um, then you read the Old Testament where uh, the man touched the Ark of the Covenant and tried to stop it while it was falling, and God struck him dead. And you're like, well, my God wouldn't strike anybody dead. I'm like, yeah, but he did. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, they, you know, when the, when the uh, priest and the temple would go, once a year they'd go into the Holy of Holies, they would tie a rope around them so that if God struck them dead, they could drag their bodies back out. Um, you get into the like the New Testament, like Ananias and Sapphira, who gave to God but lied and brought glory to themselves instead of, of to God. And Peter was like, "You're going both dying right now," mm-hmm. and God struck them dead. That's after Jesus rose again from the dead. Mm-hmm. So the the like all of a sudden, if I don't if I approach God with anything less than a fear of God, as I've described earlier, then I'm, I'm constructing images of God that um, are inaccurate. I wrote a book, a, a, oh man, it's probably been seven or eight years ago now, called The Five Assumptions About mm-hmm. God and Why They're Wrong. And uh, one of the chapters in there is that we, uh, we have an assumption or a view of God that he's like a childish God. Mm. 
So like Jesus playing soccer with my kid and, you know, Jesus is is uh, sitting around talking to children about... Like, it's not that that's wrong. It's not that Jesus necessarily wouldn't do that. It's that your view of God can't stop there. If, if that is your view of God, then um, you you will have no reverence, no respect, no awe, no submission to God. Now, just flip the coin. If your view of God is he's going to strike you dead the first time you screw up, well, then you actually have, you actually have no reverence or respect for his justice because mm. his justice is perfectly balanced with his mercy and his grace. Mm-hmm. So um, a fear of God would remind you that it's actually impossible for God to be unjust or unfair. And every time you think of him as unjust or unfair, your thinking of him through your lenses, which is less than what he is, which is a reflection of a lack of fear of God. Mm. That's fascinating. I've heard you talk about it once before as um, in the same way that we'd interact with the sun. And like on one end, you're like, man, I really, really enjoy this, and it's so great. And you know, we tease about it in like Ohio all the time. Like, I just want more and more and more of it. Yeah. Um, but like, if you don't have a healthy respect and fear for it, like, you're gonna get burnt to a crisp and blister and all this kind of stuff. And certainly, if you have the opportunity to, in proximity, to get closer to the sun, it'll destroy you. Yeah. Um, and so it's understanding that um, that back and forth between God's love and His justice. Yeah, the the same thing that gives you life can give you death. Mm-hmm. The same thing that gives you um, uh, undescribable beauty. One one of the most beautiful sunsets I ever saw in my life, ironically, was in Michigan, <laughs> and uh, it was setting over Lake Michigan. I mean. Un, indescribable beauty. Wow. So the same thing that gives you beauty can give you cancer. The same thing that gives you... And, and so there's a fear of, there's a reverence and awe, a wonder, a respect for, sometimes a fear of. You mm-hmm. know, if I'm... If I'm a, I was just reading the other day, of, there's been several hikers that have died in the Grand Canyon this year. Hmm. I'm like, right, you you... Uh, I would be afraid. Like, I wouldn't, you, you know, you don't do that without the water and the blah, blah, and the blah, blah, and the blah, blah, because, like, the sun will kill me. So, it, yeah, it's 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 a good, it's a little bit of a good picture. I think the, where the, you know, all analogies break down, but where the analogy breaks down is the posture of fear is worship. Mm-hmm. And worship involves gratitude, it involves recognition, it involves affection, it involves um, uh, reverence, and it involves respect. That, that's why the, um, the images of worship in the, in the Scripture can be our hands raised high to a father, or our face laying prostrate on the ground, face down on the ground, uh, under the authority of a sovereign, hmm. like almost begging for life, you know? So Isaiah is like, I'm a man of unclean lips. I don't deserve to be. He's in the throne room of God having a vision. He's like, I don't, I should not be here. I should not, da, da, da. And he's prostrate on the ground. And then you also see uh, places in Scripture where hands are lifted high, yeah, uh, demonstrating a holiness, but then an affection for God. So... 
it, it's not in our limited understanding the the and in our way that we think in this present day and age, we almost think of that as schizophrenic. Mm. God's like, no, that is a there's a wholeness to who I am, and the fear of God is tied to like embracing and responding to that wholeness. And I think the posture is obedience, worship, submission. Uh, whether I'm whether I'm doing those things out of a love for or a reverence for, it's like yeah, kind of like yeah, it's all it's all those things. It's all wrapped together. Mm-hmm. So how do we start to see that play out in our daily life? Like how perhaps one of our listeners is on one end of the spectrum. On one side, we have of someone that. Um, they don't have that posture. They're, you know, it's. Um, I'm not totally saying there's anything wrong with this, but it's like the daddy god type of person. You know, where they're like, I'm just, you know, so wrapped up that they've almost lost some of the reverence and the fear. Or maybe we have listeners on the other side where they're pretty much only afraid mm-hmm. of God and they don't have even the confidence to approach Him. How do we start to play this concept out daily? I think both of those extremes are wildly incorrect. Mm. Uh, so, like, God is my buddy, and I hang with him. I'm like, no, he's not. Mm-hmm. Um, is he your friend? Well, obviously, Jesus says mm-hmm. that we are his friends. Um, is he... Um, uh, is that my... Is that the whole of the definition of how I interact with him? Mm-hmm. So, I, I think of it this way a little bit. I have a, I have some friends that... Uh, have very, very high-powered jobs, presidents of this, that, CEOs of this, that. Um, I interact with them differently in different contexts. Sure. Right? So if if we're in my house goofing off, one element of our relationship is going to come to bear. Uh, if we're in their boardroom... Uh, I'm going to interact with them differently. That's not hypocritical. It's the wholeness of who they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do this with Pastor Bob Combs, one of my mentors, a lot. Like I will tease him <laughs> relentlessly. He thinks it's funny, um, but I won't do that in certain other places sure. because it, there's the whole other places. What I need to do is give him deference, and I need to elevate him. Uh, because he's worthy of that too. Mm-hmm. So if if I in a relationship like that, if I was only if I was like, oh my gosh, it's Pastor Bob, like that's not our relationship. Mm-hmm. But if we're up in front of a bunch of people and I'm like, and let me tell you about the time that he picked a booger from us, you know, that's that's not it's disrespectful. It's not mm-hmm. our relationship either. Um, so I, th- I think that's the way you have to think about it. Like there are times that the appropriate response to God is daddy God. You know, I, the, I am lonely. I have been abandoned. I have deep wounds, and I need a father God who wraps his arms around me. That's what I need, and that's what you want to be. You are a father to the fatherless. Mm-hmm. You find a family for the lonely. Right, that that is what I need. There are other times when I need to remember you are high and lifted up, mm. and my the proper position in our relationship is on my face, maybe just with everybody else. 
in that in that moment. And that is that is not a hypocritical relationship. It's a whole relationship. Um, and if you think about a healthy relationship, you know, I, I just had a lunch with my kids. We have this little tradition, and so we had I had lunch with my kids. My kids tease me relentlessly. I'm laughing with them. Um, but it would be very inappropriate for them to interact with me that way in certain public settings. Sure. My kids and I know that that's not hypocritical. I don't read it that way. They don't read it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, they because because actually of the health of our relationship. So I, I think I think if your relationship leans or lives is I think what I meant to say in either one of those places, it's it's not healthy. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense, and it it it. It does mimic a lot of the metaphors that you used earlier. You can't look at only one facet of a person, and uh, certainly of God, and assume that that one facet is allowed to be the whole of who they are. Does this play out? Like, there's a relatively well-known passage in the Bible that says, you know, work out your salvation in fear and in trembling. And of course, especially if you fall on one side of the spectrum where fearing God is all that there is, and he's just going to smite me any moment— but like, what does that mean if we're going to pull this concept toward like this healthy middle of the invitation of Jesus? What does it mean then to work out our relationship with Him in fear and trembling? I, I think what it, what it means is is that I I work out a healthy relationship with God while never surplanting Him mm. by swapping places. Ooh. So uh, I think a lot of people feel like God has to work their relationship out with them. Mm. If you want me to follow you, if you want me to acknowledge you, then you have to prove yourself this way or the other way. You've got to bless me somehow or heal something. And uh, you have to make sense to me or if I can't get my head around it. And so we, we feel like we have to work. God has to work his relationship without, out with us. As if he owes us something. Right. I think working your relationship out with fear and trembling is me looking and saying, you are God, I am not, what does that mean mm. to me? How do I position my life and how do I, how do I orient my life? When, when I first meet, um, I just use this, this, this is a bat, this is a, all analogies break down, but when I first meet like a high-powered CEO, I meet them more at a place of reverence. Mm-hmm. Our friendship and the casualness of our friendship is secondary. When I walk into their presence and I'm like, I can relate to everything you do, they're going to look at me and think, you have lost your mind. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, I, I have 30,000 employees. Yeah, well, I have people who work for me too, and and I maybe you've been in a situation like this, like it, you, uh, if, Joe, if you met like a you know Miles Garrett, a pro linebacker for the Cleveland Browns, you're like, yeah, I played football in college, mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, okay, yeah, a D three school, a D three school. <laughs> See, it you're you trying to be on his level, but if you got to know him. Mm-hmm. And you became friends, and his—I don't know—I don't know if he's married or not. But his wife and you and Mandy start running around. Then you start joking about football, mm-hmm. right? 
see what I'm saying? Like the casualness is after he comes in as who he is and you come in as you are. And I think I think what happens, the lack of the fear of the Lord in part is when we come in in our relationship with God and we treat him like a peer. Mm. Mm-hmm. And like, I'll do this for you if you do this for me. And and God is like, um, you don't set any of these. Why are you saying this to me? Mm. Maturity is I, I meet you for who you and what you are. And then as we grow closer, our relationship... Um, uh, I'm trying to think of a good word to say it. It, it there's casual elements, or the the relational elements are stronger. Um, but I don't, I don't ever forget who you are. Yeah. You know, and so I don't, I don't ever, I don't ever fail to respond uh, to what you're doing. And you guys have this in your your everyday life. Like uh, Joe and I are very, very good friends. Would mm-hmm. you agree with that? I would. Yep. And I'm your boss. Right. I would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like, ninety eight percent of our relationship is our friendship. Mm-hmm. It started with me being your boss, right? Right. Yep. So, if you you guys who are listening, this happens in your life all the time. Sure. And and yet, uh, if I I can't even really think of a scenario, but if I suddenly had to be like your boss, you're not going to be like, "Who well, who are you?" You know, I'm like. Because our because our relationship is stronger than it was fifteen years ago when you started, me being your boss is like easier. Sure. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So you guys you guys probably have some kind of relationship like this. Um, it's like when you're a kid and you call all your teachers by their last name and you become an adult and you can start to call them by your friend. It's weird at first. It's very weird. Well, if you switch that, if you're like a third grader and you're like, what's up, Wilma? <laughs> See how unhealthy that is. Mm-hmm. If you grow into it, it it's healthy, mm-hmm. and it actually makes the reverence, the worship, the awestruck part of your relationship with God easier. Mm-hmm. Because when God... Need, when God uh, is sitting in that place, so to say, the relationship that has developed makes all of that look completely differently. Yeah, that's really, that's really, really good. And that's where metaphors are helpful. They do fall apart all the time, but they keep painting in these aspects of like, oh, it's kind of like that. It's funny that you mentioned the teacher thing. I had a biology teacher in high school that was 23 when I was 17, and high school was totally normal. She's uh, Mrs. Smith, air quotes, but, um, you know, Mrs. Smith, Mrs. Smith, Mrs. Smith, no problems, whatever. Fast forward, uh, what would that be? Eight years later, I show up at Grace Church, and now I'm one of her pastors. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> hi, hi, Jen? Can I call you Jen? You know? Like, <laughs> so uh, that was uh, fascinating. But and, and you can see where, like, if you couldn't, that wouldn't be healthy. Mm-hmm. If you jumped the gun, it wouldn't be healthy. Right. It's a, it's a relational thing, except we're dealing with our Creator God. Well, and the, it's the invitation backwards, right? So in in most of, if not all of those circumstances, the CEO that becomes a friend, the teacher that you become a later peer in as an, in adulthood. I bet ninety nine times out of a hundred, if not more, it's the CEO that says, "You can call me Joe." 
It's the yeah. it's the teacher that says we can get rid of that. You can call me Jen. Yeah. Like because they're the ones in the position of respect and reverence, et cetera, and they're inviting you into a closer yeah. relationship. And so through Christ, God is inviting us. He's still the same. I created the sun, the moon, and the stars, and everything that you've ever seen. You better respect and revere the snot out of him, and he's inviting you into this parent-child relationship. And, and I, what that's a great picture, because what happens is... Um, the so uh i'm your boss mm-hmm. we've been friends keep for, establishing this yeah no. <laughs> I, I am i am joe's boss um can you remember the last time i told you to do something um that exact word i remember the last time i got scolded okay <laughs> it's when i started a missions partnership and you didn't know about it <laughs> <laughs> okay but this this is my point like because of because you let me be in my spot mm-hmm. and a friendship has developed, I don't have to tell you to do things. Sure, right. You, you see what I'm saying? Like we know each other intimately. We're very, very dear friends. We're now working for the same goal. Mm-hmm. It The authority almost, it, like we're laughing about it. It becomes natural. It, beco- it becomes natural and it's, it, it in no, like my positional authority in your life is almost a non-factor in our relationship. Sure. And positional authority, like, magnifies exponentially when the relational authority kicks into gear. Yeah. And so there are many, many times that subconsciously, I'm like, well, I'm not going to go down that pathway because I know for sure that's not where Jeff would want the church to be going. No, I didn't like write it down. I didn't make it a a a big statement. But I'm like, I know you, and I know what you've stood for uh, professionally, positionally. But getting to know you relationally, like I just know that that's not what you want to see happen. Because because we function in friendship, Mm -hmm. not in position. That is the fear of the Lord. Yeah, where I'm functioning in friendship with God, not positionally with God. But God never yielded his position. Mm-hmm. I, I think what you said was so insightful. I've been invited into this relationship, but it's a relationship that he defined. Like mm-hmm. there is somebody in charge of this, and it's not me. Yeah. Lack of the fear of the Lord is me looking at God like he's a peer. Mm-hmm. It, it's not me interacting deeply and even at times casually. Sure. With God, you know, when I when I uh, walk or run or mow the grass, I pray to God all the time. It's an interactional, casual action. So it's, I don't have to go to church, light a candle, and put robes on. And um, but but when I think of Him as a peer, or I treat Him casually before I have embraced His authority in my life, that's where that all gets out of whack in a pretty quick way. Yeah, I I. I picture, um, you know, in, in, in some of my worst moments as in my adulthood following Jesus, like, you catch these, like, nudges where God's, like, trying to get your attention, and if you're too much in, like, friendship peer-to-peer mode, you're like, <laughs> okay, God, sure. Sure, I'll get, a, I'll, I'll work on that eventually. Yeah. You know, and he's like, no, I kind of mean it. And then we have maybe the first couple times it's like, 
innocent ignorance. But then we like turn around and have the audacity, like, hey, would you mind blessing me in this scenario? He's like, you're ignoring me in everything yeah. I want you to do, and now you want me to pay for it. I mean, it's just like we've lost all yeah. of that respect, and we've lost all of that reverence. And it's like, so when God's nudging you, it's like, right, he's nudging you out of the position of relationship, but he's not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's a... Our relationship with God does not deepen because we have affection for God. Our affection for God deepens because of who and what He is. Mm. And that's a really important order. It is. Um, So the more I understand God's justice, the more I feel loved by that just God. Yeah. The more I understand God's holiness, the more I feel invited as an unholy being into the presence of that holy God that because of Christ's sanctification in my life, et cetera. So I don't that affection, it's not about my affection for him, it's him his affection for me mm-hmm. that creates affection for him. Yeah. Right? So we love him because he first loved oh, us. Nice. And it and the fear of the Lord is it it doesn't have this clean definition. I think we've described it well, but I would say it definitely starts with that positioning mm-hmm. that God is God and I am not. And then everything in our Christian life flows out of that position. Um it's not I let God in. Like the, the whole idea of like I accepted Christ. I'm like, oh, all right, sorta. Mm-hmm. I, I know what you mean, so I'm not going to argue with about it. But you were accepted by Christ, <laughs> and and like those little things mm-hmm. change how the how the fear of the Lord shows up in our life. That's really really good. I hope that um, most of us can shift gears, especially if we find ourselves needing to. Where you know, even waking up in the morning. <laughs> we can start to put ourselves in the appropriate uh, position with who God is. Um, if you uh, would like to have uh, a follow-up question or another topic completely addressed by this podcast, you can always submit those questions at bath.gracechurches.org slash mixed messages. And if we can help you take any unique next steps or resource you in any way, please feel free to reach out. Let us know. We'd love to help you walk that part of your journey. If you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more of it, make sure you subscribe, follow, rate, and review our podcast. And of course, if you're looking for a place to jump in with other people who are walking uh, relationally with this position we find ourselves in with God, you can always check us out here on the weekend at Grace Church. Thanks so much for jumping in with us today as we continue to see God's voice through all the mixed messages around us. We'll see you next time.